Mike test. So, hello. Hi. Hi there. Uh, introduce yourself for us. Uh, how's it going? I'm Alec. Um, I've been a friend of Thomas for a little while now, and uh, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna have a nice little nice little chat here. Yeah, we are. So, um, we we've spoken about you, uh, Evan and I, on our first episode about your film Minos that we were acting in. Uh, him more than I, but um, so your what's your role in Minos? Um, I have well, I have a lot of roles in Minos, but uh, I'd say that the three most important ones would be uh, the writer, the director, and the composer. Nice editor nice. too. Uh huh. So, uh, in Minos, well, why why did you even start Minos? Um, so basically, it all started with college applications. I um, I decided to uh, apply to a number of different film schools. And a number of them required uh, short films or little media submissions of uh, of five or ten minutes or so, mm-hmm. and um, and so I knew that that was going to involve some writing, and mm-hmm. uh, and that that was honestly kind of the worst part for me. Um, you don't like writing I too would, much. I I guess I guess I enjoy writing in some contexts. I I uh, I sometimes enjoy writing essays or something like that little personal statements or whatever but uh but generally like if you told me to come up with a whole new story on the spot mm-hmm. uh i i would i would dislike you <laughs> <laughs> yeah so um pretty much uh my original plan was to come up with uh a, a myth or a legend or something that i could that i could retell uh maybe modernize it or something like that uh because a i don't have to write anything myself at that point and B, uh, you're referencing mythology, so you look smart. Ah, I see. Yeah. So, yes, yes. Well, what was your writing process? Because uh, the the way it seemed to us was that it it was very hectic, and you know, not, we're not blaming you in any way, shape, or form. You know, you did the best you could, but it did seem hectic. How did it seem on your end? Yeah, the writing process was a fucking mess. <laughs> um, so uh, basically. I uh, I eventually uh, found what I was going to do, uh, and uh, I, I decided that I was going to base pretty much uh, everything that happened in this film on Dante's Inferno. Uh, I decided to sort of ditch the whole mythology angle and went with what I was familiar with, uh, mm-hmm. Christianity, and then um, and so from that point forward, uh, I just kind of tried to look through the book. And uh, and see what's something that I could pull here. What's something that I could use uh, for my short film. And then eventually, through that process, I came up with the concept of um, some guy wandering through purgatory, yeah. uh, observing his uh, his past sins in life, mm. um, and then you know his descent into hell. Each each vision that he sees is uh, is, is sort of symbolic of a different ring of hell. Mm-hmm. And so it just gets lower and lower down into hell as he as he goes, and then by the end of the film, yeah, he's damned. He's damned. Well, at least he at least he got a choice, <laughs> or did he? Eh, not really. No, I mean, no, I guess no. he had a choice in life. Fair, fair. Uh, what I wanted to ask you though, are you proud of it? Are you proud of Minos? I'm mostly proud of it. Yeah. Um, for some reason, I didn't really get uh, as great of a sense of uh, of pride and accomplishment as I. As I thought I would, but even so, I'm I'm pretty happy with the work that I put into it, and um, 
and I think that it turned out pretty well for a first try. It's it's very it's very shaky, if you ask me, very rough and very unprofessional. Uh, but I think that the main point that I was trying to get across, which was, I'm a kid with ideas, mm-hmm. and I just need help learning how to execute those ideas. I think I got that point across uh, mm. very well in this. I see. Well, uh, you said uh, as a first try. So this is your first time making a short film? Yeah, I'd never made a short film before. I'd made a couple of YouTube videos, but, you know, nothing nothing all that cinematic. And I guess um, in middle school, mm-hmm. uh, I, uh, I took a took a video tech class and uh, we made we made some short videos, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't really want to call uh, any of those short films or anything like that. Uh, what 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 makes you define them as a short film rather than you know those middle school middle school projects not being? I don't know. I guess uh, I guess I just say it's the snob in me uh, who just has like a gut feeling. Oh, this thing isn't cinematic. Oh, this thing. It, it, look at that. They didn't even pay that much attention to how it was shot. Or anything uh, like that. It's not a film. It's just a video made <laughs> by children. Oh, I see. I see. So it's just one of those. Oh, it feels like this. There's no real definitive answer. Yeah, it's it's completely illogical. I, it's just it's just how I feel about it. You know. It's, fair, fair. It was never intended to be all that cinematic. It was intended to mimic cinema. I guess. Uh, how much time did you think you put into it? Into Minos? Yeah. Oh, that's a good question. Uh, well, uh, if you look at it objectively, I started my uh, my filmmaking process in about June, and I ended it in late October. So technically, I spent several months on it. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's see. Uh, if you include all my research, in total, I probably only spent about two weeks on it. Oh, so... So the college app is going to say you spent months on it. Is, uh, it is that... have, the, we never have to specify how long it took us. So Fair. Uh, that's that's nice. Sh- short or long can determine like, oh, they were so time efficient or they didn't put much time into it. Very, very true. But um, do you have like an hourly? Or like how, how long you did this by the hour? Uh, by the hour. Uh, or... I can't really say that I do. I kind of just worked on it when I had to, when, when I felt the pressure. Uh, I mean, I after I finished uh, reading Dante's Inferno for the script, I wrote maybe half a page of the screenplay. Mm-hmm. And then uh, and then after that, I stalled for like two months. And uh, and then, you know, when I when I found out that I had like three weeks to make the entire thing, I, uh, I knew that I then had to make the screenplay a lot more quickly, um, which... Which you know led to uh, me having to uh, give out the the screenplays, you know, the uh, the day before filming twice. <laughs> the morning of, wasn't it too? Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think one time it was the morning of, and one time it was uh, it was the night before. Um, yeah. yeah. That's that's because uh, I, I I if it had dialogue, which it do- it doesn't have dialogue for for the people who haven't seen it. Um, if it had had any dialogue. Like even I wouldn't sink that low. I would have given it to. I would have made sure that uh, the actors had the screenplay for like at least a week mm-hmm. before we started filming. But uh, since it had no dialogue, I didn't feel as terrible for just uh, dropping it on everybody 
uh, literally hours before we were going to meet up to film it. Yeah, because I remember like getting a text at some point or uh, a Discord message at like 11 or something. I was I was half asleep and then it was the script and I was like, uh, <laughs> I definitely did not look at it and I pretended to not see the message and fell asleep. Sorry. Uh, I can't say I blame you. <laughs> but uh, when it came to writing it, uh, how many pages was total? Um, well, I think that uh, in total it ended up being about six pages. Uh, generally, the rule of screenplays is that you want it to be about a minute per page. And, uh, mm. you know, we ended up with five minutes, and uh, we had to cut about a minute of it. Um, so, so mm-hmm. yeah, it ended up being about uh, that, a minute per page. Yeah, uh, well... So you had to cut quite a bit from what we originally filmed. Like a few people we talked about in the first episode, uh, our friend Alex and our friend Juan, both of them apparently got cut out. Is that true? Well, the thing is, um, the reason Alex's character had to be cut uh, was because he couldn't make it and I couldn't find a replacement for him. But honestly, uh, I couldn't really figure out exactly what I wanted his character to do mm-hmm. in the short film anyway. So that that was more of a that was more of a blessing than anything. Um, but as for Juan, oh poor guy, he's such a good sport. Um, we uh, we we filmed with him. Uh, we we filmed him like kneeling on the ground in a pit of ash for for about two or three hours. Uh, mm-hmm. He was not having a good time. No. And uh, and then I had to I had to give him the message on Discord. Hey dude, the short film can't be longer than five minutes, oh. and your scene is the least essential to the plot. I'm gonna have to cut you. All that time that you spent there was for nothing. Uh, all that, all that potential lung cancer. Yeah, I mean he, uh, he was able to, he was able to get some blood spilled on you for, for your scene at least. So he wasn't, it wasn't totally useless, and he, he had some moral support. You know, <laughs> he was, he was, he was very nice to be there and to have fun with him. So, uh, I just a great guy to have around. He is a great guy, but um, so so having to write them in and out on all of that. Did you feel you just so you talked about feeling bad, but did it feel awkward? Did it feel uh, like it wasn't complete? Or you know, now that I think about it, it's probably for the best that I cut them because mm-hmm. um, because I really feel like Juan's scene. Um, I guess I should tell uh, the listeners what that scene was since they can't access it. Basically, um, the uh, the main character uh, after he is found. Uh, Thomas, like dying on the ground and shit. Uh, he is then. He was then originally supposed to uh, run to a different, like more forested area, uh, where he would run into uh, Juan's character. In the script, he was named Daniel, uh, and uh, and then basically that was how I was supposed to show the uh, the ring of treachery, uh, because um, because the main character essentially had framed him in life for the murder of uh, of Thomas's character mm-hmm. uh and uh and and so he pretty much stumbles upon this guy and he's uh, Daniel he's uh he's in you know a prison jumpsuit his hands are tied and uh he's he's sort of uh silently pleading with the main character to to set him free to to uh to untie him uh mm. but instead uh, the main character just sort of like runs off again, and that's when he's supposed to freeze to death. Um, but uh, but yeah, I guess I guess in retrospect, that scene felt very tacked on 
mm-hmm. and it felt sort of loosely connected to the plot. So I think that it really is for the best that I ended up cutting it. I see. Uh, would you ever try and do it again? Like refilm Minos, like create a revised version where it adds some more things or or do you think that what was cut out was was good and it should stay that way or do you just want to lay Minos to bed and call that for good job first try let's go on to next projects I'd say that um structurally uh it it's sort of it's sort of a wash the fact that I had to cut those things out mm-hmm. um because uh on one hand everything is now a little bit more connected and everything works together much more cohesively, but uh, the overall structure, you don't really have that uh, that rule of three anymore. You don't have the three circles of hell that, uh, that are shown. You just have two of them, and that just feels like a bit of an underwhelming number. But, uh, but honestly, I'm pretty much willing to live with that because uh, I think that it really is what it is, and I don't really want to touch it again. Fair, fair, very fair. Uh, do you have any other pro- projects in the making? Um, yes, actually, sort of. Uh, I don't, in- I don't intend to ever make it into a, uh, an actual film, mm-hmm. uh, but for USC, uh, we also have to provide a short writing sample, um, and I decided to actually base my writing sample, which was a screenplay, off of a conversation that we had uh, a-, a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, no, it was last year during the, uh, during the fires. Mm-hmm. Um, we, uh, uh, it was, it was late at night and we were, uh, on discord texting each other about, uh, about like what we were going to be doing, like exchanging a few jokes. Um, so I pretty much just based my writing sample off of that. Uh, th- th- this is, by the way, this is the first time I'm telling him of this, uh, <laughs> information. Yeah. I did not know about this. Yeah. Um, I, I changed the names. So, uh, so mm-hmm. I'm not like doxing you to USC or anything, <laughs> but the cover yeah, from my for cat. forgiveness, not permission. Yeah, <laughs> that that works. I think. I hope. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, so th- there's a thing about Minos that I remembered. Um, is when I was watching it, there's something. It, it very much felt like that the music, the scoring. It felt like you were just watching it, and then it, it was like one of those old timey cinemas where s- someone in the back literally had a piano just playing it, and you kind of confirmed this. Uh, could you talk more about that? Yeah, pretty much uh, what I was going for with the score. Uh, I was very much inspired by the score of the uh, the movie At Eternity's Gate. It's a biopic about uh, Vincent van Gogh. And pretty much that score is very simple. Pretty much all you have there is an old piano and some strings. Um, mm-hmm. And I absolutely love the simplicity and sort of striking sound of it. Yeah. And so I pretty much wanted to recreate something like that um although with a bit of a different uh bit of a different tone to it. Uh and so I ended up taking some inspiration from a number of other sources as well. Um for instance, I uh I took a lot of inspiration from uh the piece Hungarian Rhapsody number no. 2 by Franz Liszt. Mm-hmm. Um that's that's where you'll find that da da the 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 loudest piano uh bits the that those were pretty much directly lifted from there mm-hmm. and then um also with the sort of the sort of improvised sort of noodly bits in between stuff like that um i i took a lot of inspiration as well from uh from sort of what's become a bit of a trope 
in uh, in music in general. Um, it's become known as like the melody of doom or something like that, and uh, goes by the name of um, Dies Ire, I think. Oh yeah, and uh, Dies Ire, pum 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 pum. That that one. Uh, it's sort of like that. It's uh, it it's bum 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 bum. It's uh, you, you hear it oh. a lot in a lot of different scores. I uh, see. And stuff yeah. Like that. Um, like it it was. You know, that's the first thing you hear in The Shining. Um, and uh, and so I figured that since this is a story about a guy being damned to hell in purgatory, um, I, I, I thought that that would be sort of fitting. And so I used that. And um, for the more for both the more mellow bits, like the very beginning, not the very beginning, um, his very first look into purgatory and his uh, his last moments in purgatory... Uh, I, I decided to bookend the whole thing with just a shit ton of arpeggios. <laughs> I know, it's like... Uh, I'm not going to repeat that. That was a <laughs> terrible noise that came out of my nose, that came out of my mouth. Ugh. No, that was beautiful. Ew. Uh, but yeah, so it, it was really cool. I have a question, though. So did, did you actually uh, kind of like do it live or did you put a, like record little bits of it at at different times and then put them all together? I think I recorded it in uh, three or four segments, mm-hmm. um, but it was sort of live. You know, uh, a lot of the noodly bits uh, are actually improvised. Uh, so, mm-hmm. yeah, it wasn't very carefully planned. Uh, I was pretty much just uh, just groping in the dark for something that sounded good. Um, I, I originally, for the score, planned on having something that sounded like, I don't know, Blade Runner 2049 or something, just some uh, some big towering synths uh over that but uh but then i figured that 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 really just completely drowned out the actual film itself and it was more distracting than anything Mm -hmm. so in the end i just decided to go with something much simpler and uh i think a lot more tasteful it fit the tone of the of the film a lot better i think so too uh did did you do this uh style out of like necessity of time because i remember you were in a bit of a crunch yeah, I was very much in a crunch. I uh, I think that I ended up uh, finishing the actual thing on um, on Halloween, I think, and uh, and it was due on November second. So yeah, I real uh, I really didn't have much time uh, to write the score, um, and I I tried for a couple days unsuccessfully with that Blade Runner sounding score, but I just wasn't really getting anywhere and. Then I just decided that this doesn't even, this doesn't even really work for this. I should I, I think that I have kind of a cool idea here, but I should really just save that for something else if I ever come up with something else and just uh and just go with something much simpler. Mm-hmm. I see. Uh, we've been talking about uh, Minos and its music and the music in Minos, but uh, how about music in general? Uh, what type of music do you like? Um, you know, I've uh. I, I like to say that uh, that it's pretty varied. I like to listen to a lot of different kind of things, but honestly, it's been getting less varied lately. It's it's uh, pretty much devolved into solely different types of metal and punk at this point. Mm, such as, um, I'd say that mainly uh, psych punk, uh, post punk, black metal, 
Um, I, I'm honestly not too familiar with the different kinds of metal, but uh, me neither. <laughs> yeah. Um, but pretty much just uh, a lot of different kinds of punk. There's a little industrial punk too. Um, a lot of punk, a little bit of metal, and a tiny bit of everything else. Do you like seek out specific um, musicians or artists or bands, or do you just kind of go on Spotify, pick random punk playlist number three, and then start? Basically, how it works is um, I use Anthony Fantano as my source. I don't follow him blindly like a few other users, um, a, a few other viewers. I uh, I pretty much just uh, look for what piques my interest, what he's talking about that he says is good, and then I and then I go to, or or even if he says it's bad, if if it sounds interesting to me, then I'll go check it out. And uh, sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't. But um, the other way that I tend to find music is on subreddits for bands that I already like. A lot of times people bring up similar bands and then it pretty much just uh, spiderwebs from there. Mm. So you, you listen to complete, do, do you listen to complete albums or songs or, and it's usually just that one thing or do you listen to a bunch of them, a bunch of them at once, like in a playlist? Pretty much the way that it usually goes. If they're talking about an album, uh, then I'll go and listen to the album. But if they're just talking about the band in general, uh, then I'll just go to their page on Apple Music or Spotify uh, and just listen to their like top eight songs or whatever and uh, and just go off of that and see if they're worth exploring later. Mm, I see. Okay, okay. So so you don't really go into one of those uh, Apple Music, Spotify pre-made play- playlists? No, I never do that. Uh, basically, the way that I got into, that I got more interested in the music was because I saw that my brother... Uh, was finding all these bands that I'd never heard of, and that that was his method. He pretty much just uh, yeah, he he said that he never really had much fun looking for the music because he had to sift through just waves of garbage before he could find anything good in those playlists. <laughs> um, and so I decided, you know, finding good music is not worth that kind of time. So uh, I just pretty much pay attention to reviewers and the good people of Reddit. That's not true; they're terrible people. <laughs> well, yeah uh for me myself when it comes to music and looking for it i i, I don't spe- i don't even know half of the artists i listen to i i go to spotify's random playlist I, f- I go through the different playlists until i find a playlist i like then listen to it till i'm sick of it really so like you couldn't you couldn't tell me like who half of your favorite artists are nope not at all Dang. I, I I could I could maybe sing a couple words of it that even that is still a stretch because I'm very bad at remembering lyrics. I could maybe give you the gen. I, I can tell you what vibe. Normally, when it comes to music for me, it's based on the vibe. So all the plays that I go to on Spotify, they're titled this way too. It's all based on how uh what's the mood. So if I'm driving home from work and it's late at night and I'm not in the mood to listen to an audiobook or a podcast, which are my go-tos, I normally don't even listen to music that much. Um, I will play something that's like, oh, late night drive. Or if I, I'm feeling some specific mood, like I'm, I'm sm- I, I, I got takeout and it smells like delicious Indian food, I'll for some reason play some type of music like that. I know it's not very good, but that's what I do. And, and that's what I enjoy. You know, yeah, that's fine. Vibe is important. Vibe, vibe is important, and and to me, as long as it the the playlist says this is the vibe, normally it's pretty correct. If it's from Spotify itself, because you know these these are people's jobs to make these playlists. Right, right. So I I normally find it to be fine. 
And if there's a song I don't like, I can just skip it. But that's rare. Normally, I just I tune it out by the second song or something. Yeah, yeah, I, I do that sometimes when I'm not like super into something. When I uh, when I'm trying to like concentrate on homework or or driving in an area that I'm not familiar with or something like that, I can't really pay attention to the music, so I'll just put on one of my own playlists. So mm-hmm. I know that I'm listening to good stuff and stuff that I enjoy. But I don't really need to focus. I I feel like I tend to want to pay a lot more attention to albums or something like that because that is a tailored experience. You are meant to listen to one song after the other, and it's all meant to flow at least somewhat seamlessly. So mm-hmm. I tend to only listen to albums when I have a good amount of time set aside. But uh, yeah, when I know that I'm going to have sort of uh, divided attention... Uh, I just put it on a playlist. How how do you how do you listen to uh uh albums? Do you are you like the type of guy who lays in his bed with his headphones in, eyes closed, and absorbing all of it, or do you like play a mindless game or something? Yeah, sometimes I um it, it kind of varies. I do a little bit of both. Um, some days I uh I sit on the floor and look out the window uh while I'm <laughs> while I'm listening to an album, and other days. Yeah, like you said, I'm I'm playing like Snake or Solitaire or something like that on my phone. Well, is it on the is it based on the vibe when you're sitting on the floor looking out the window? Yeah, pretty much. It, I <laughs> I only ever do that when I when I want to feel something, you know. <laughs> well, when when you really got to get that that you know the vibe isn't the music. The music is the vibe. That that made no sense. What the hell? Nah, it's fine. Yeah, that you know the vibe of your statement worked the vibe of my statement worked but yeah I, I i fully understand that there's some music that i when i hear it or like when i i listen to it when i'm in the mood to be in that mood you know right. uh, most people probably get this experience when it's when they're sad and they listen to sad music to make them sadder <laughs> yeah yeah you you've probably done that i've done that i do that a little bit i don't tend to uh i don't tend to listen to music to reflect my mood i, I guess i don't know it's uh, it's sort of based on craving. Mm. Uh, I feel like different genres of music are are good for different kinds of expression. Um, and uh, a lot of times, I just hit shuffle on a playlist, and I see how am I gonna feel today. Uh, so you let the music dictate it instead of you. I see. Yeah, if I'm not already feeling something good, you know, a lot of the time, I'll uh, I'll, I'll actively seek out an album, an EP, or something like that to listen to. Uh, but most of the time, I'm not really feeling uh, emotions all that strongly. So I just uh, I just set up my sail and see where the wind takes me. Oh, I see. So uh, when when it comes to music, you you're into you're into it a lot more than I am. So in, in terms of playing it, you you play music. You've you've scored Minos. Uh, what's your experience with that? piano lessons <laughs> um like uh, i think it was i think i pretty much hated playing music until uh let's see i think it was until my freshman year of high school or something like that just i i never really paid much attention to to the music i listened to or the music i was playing uh because just music left me with a bad taste in my mouth and i didn't really see any reason to seek it out any further but um 
but the thing is in high school uh i joined i joined my school's drumline and that got me more interested because we were uh, we were playing music that interested me a little bit more that was something that i wasn't very familiar with um at least the type of music that we were playing and uh and so that led me to uh just just seek it out a little bit more uh find stuff that interested me i i sort of discovered that uh that learning music didn't have to be awful uh, as long mm-hmm. as you uh, as long as you find a way to enjoy it and uh drumline was my way to enjoy it and um and so ever since then i've pretty much been uh just practicing a lot more um i i've begun to hate my piano lessons less and less mm-hmm. i'm still taking them to this day oh um and uh and i've also invested in uh in garage band and a midi keyboard and and a different uh a different uh software recording music and whatnot yeah uh so now basically music is sort of my outlet whenever i'm bored on like a class zoom call or something i'll just noodle away on my midi keyboard under my laptop uh and that's that's pretty much just how i escape boredom now uh whenever there's whenever there's a void whether i'm playing it or listening to it uh music is there to fill it for me and uh you know some might call that unhealthy uh some might call that uh someone too desperate for stimulation uh and i would agree with them i i don't know how i feel about that that last statement with, about the void cuz i certainly fill in empty time with podcasts and um and audiobooks even even the walk i went on earlier i was listening to another book and my drives always have have some type of noise going on and even to sleep i listen to the same story every night and I I don't know if that's necessarily a bad thing. Could you could you talk a bit more as to why you think that way? I don't know. I I just kind of feel like um I guess it's sort of an attention span thing. I I'm at least a little bit with the old geezers that attention spans are pretty short nowadays. I don't know how short they were back in back in ye olden times when people said that they were so long. Mm-hmm. Uh they might have been even shorter back then. I don't know, but uh but I'll definitely say that they're kind of short now, and I'd say that mine's been shortening. And I don't really like that. I want to be able to sort of live in the moment and not sort of rely on any form of media as like a crutch to to keep my mental health going and to to keep me from dying of boredom or something like that. I I just I just think that that's not a super healthy way to live. And mm. you know there there are I do have more meditative moments. I do I I don't I don't actually meditate, but um. But there are some times that I set aside to just eh, to j- to just sort of vibe on my own, whether it be like on a walk or or um yeah, just on a walk. <laughs> <laughs> That's all we've been able to do, even even though we were talking a moment ago about not going out much. It's, uh, yeah, uh, I, like I said, I don't do it all that often. Uh, but when I do, it's nice. It's nice to just be able to think a little bit, although uh, it's. It's getting harder to to enjoy my moments of silence because I've had so much to do lately that I, I just end up snapping my mind to those things that I have to get done, uh, and then basically my meditation is ruined. That that's very true, and especially now, like even now, right now we're in our uh, Thanksgiving break and we're supposedly getting a full week off. 
but I don't think that's really going on with both of us. Uh, could you no, tell? Not at all. <laughs> How, what's your Thanksgiving break looking like? Your quote-unquote break. All right. So basically, uh, it's it's all college apps and homework because um, I I, uh, I I spent the entire month of October uh, not doing homework because I was busy doing college apps, uh, and now. That's caught up to me because I've got a lot of shitty grades, and so I need to get those grades up, and uh, I, I also need to keep doing college apps. So, so now I'm pretty much working double time. Uh, although the college apps, like the workload, has shrunk. It's not as bad as it was last night, uh, last month. But that, in tandem with making up a whole bunch of homework that I didn't do last month, is uh, building up to be just as big a challenge as last month. I see. Yeah, I, I I'm falling into the same boat where I I have a extra online class. I have credit recovery because of my freshman year, but the that's definitely I I ignored it my junior year. Tried to crunch through it, then a bunch of rules started getting in place because of COVID that made it so that whatever I did didn't count. It's oh, a long Jesus. story. It was you know what? Screw it. I'll, I'll talk about it real quick. It's not that long of a story. I. It would supposedly only need to get like 60% done. And I did like 80 to 90%. And then I got a message immediately after them saying you needed to complete 80, uh, 60%. Uh, and I, so the message, the emails went, you need to complete 60% and pass the test. I was like, okay. So I sent an email saying I did that. And then the email right after that said, you need to do 100% and pass the test. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa what? Oh, sweet Jesus. <laughs> like it, that, that was literally the conversation. And I was like, hold up, what? So I, I ended up having to, that, that, that got postponed to my senior year. So now, now I'm dealing with that and I have to take another class after it. Thankfully it's, it's, it's. It's become easier because I can just pretend I have another class uh, uh, with all of my other online classes. It's not another external thing I have to think about. I can just plop it in with everything else. So, I mean, at least I got that going for me. Yeah, there, there's that. But yeah, trying to keep up because not, not a lot of people are doing too good. There are a few and I'm very pr- happy for them that they're doing well in in with online class and i'm glad online class exists for those even outside of the pandemic and i hope it continues and um but a lot of people are not doing too well and i've heard some talk of like the statistics are like 70 percent of people have at least one failing grade oh my god which i that sounds like you know it doesn't sound that bad but also it sounds really bad depending on who you are yeah yeah i'm banking on uh i'm banking on the possibility that colleges will just sort of will just sort of half glance at the grades that uh that that were results of online learning because uh yeah I've been doing a lot worse uh since online learning has started I I just had way less motivation and I've been paying attention way less and I I've just I just haven't been putting in the same amount of effort and I haven't seen a reason to because there's no physical repercussion there's no you never have to look anybody in the eyes and uh, and say I didn't do the homework or anything like that. You just just look at some pixels on a screen. What the hell are they gonna do? Yeah, and, and like it, it's bringing into the reality of how school is like all the punishments you get from school are just fake punishments. Or like, oh, we're gonna talk to your parents. Like, yeah, I do that too. Sup? <laughs> 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 or, or we're gonna send an email with a big old F on it. And like, okay, I can show them the F now if they want. Uh, yes. They also see me at home all day, tired, 
sad. <laughs> the yeah, getting an F, getting a number or a letter on there isn't much of an incentive, and I fully agree with you. And it's so hard to motivate yourself, and also motivate yourself in a way of even if you like the subject, even if you like what what it's about, the the way it's being taught is just so disconnected, and you know. You could be, you could have been so excited for something, and then, because now nobody, nobody, including the teachers, have no clue what they're doing, you know, yeah. they, and you know they're not able to bring you in there. They're not able to do what they've been taught to teach for so many years, you know. For sure. I mean, I've uh, I, I've started taking a film class uh, this year. And I haven't been able to enjoy that for, for numerous reasons, but online learning just hasn't made it easy to enjoy myself in that class because I feel like the discussions are a million times more boring and it, it just, it, it all feels like such a waste of time. Uh, I guess part of that is because I've already sunk a lot of time into watching video essays and stuff and I'm, and I'm already familiar with a lot of the subject matter being taught, but so much of this film class has just been very slow very repetitive review for me and i just haven't been able to have fun with it yeah that's that's the thing if if there's something you know then it's very slow because they have to keep up they have to help the those who aren't keeping uh, those who aren't able to keep up and generally you know if, if this was regular class they would continue on anyway and work with those few students who aren't keeping up but surprise surprise now those few are nearly everyone and yeah I'm personally not seeing a lot of students anymore who are actively, what's the word I'm looking for, who are ahead because they've been paying attention in class or that they're they're breezing through because they've been paying attention in class. The majority have been, I'm breathe, breezing through because before online class, I already was taught this in a regular classroom. Yeah, like exactly. For, for some of the math classes, my, mine included, you know, I was taught some of this stuff uh, last year in my... Uh, in my class for my junior in my math class for my junior year but come senior year it's a lot of review to begin with so i was doing pretty well but now that we're actually learning new stuff i'm falling off i'm struggling yeah yeah online learning it's just really hard to keep your eyes on the ball because who gives a shit it's just a ball it's it's just the ball yeah i'd rather put my eyes on something else and you know this podcast is a result of that it, it's me putting less emphasis on my schooling and putting more emphasis on something I genuinely want to do. Yeah, I mean, and even if even if generally that is sort of seen as, uh, as an immature thing, I think that there's something very admirable about that. I think that personal interests are very important to, to explore, especially, you know, when you're young, uh, to figure out what the hell you're going to do with your life. Yeah. And and I, I, I'm fully embracing the fact that I'm going to fail a lot. And even, you know, I'm using my age, my youth as as a crutch. And I've, I am fully embracing that. I, I will fail. I will mess up. I will do this again and again. But that's completely fine because I have my life ahead of me to fix whatever I do wrong. You know, I, I can always go back to the known after I've failed or succeeded with the unknown, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, my youth has basically become a part of my identity. I, I tend to be uh, pretty carefree. I guess not carefree, but uh, but pretty laid back, and I, I'm I pretty much just tend to vibe, and uh, and you know there is gonna come a time where I'm not gonna be able to comfortably do that anymore. But that time isn't now. 
So why worry about that just yet? I, I intend to keep track of what's going on. And I don't intend to just like completely forget, oh, fuck, I've been aging this whole time. You know, <laughs> uh, I fully intend to uh, be aware of the changes in my life and, you know, actively participate in them. I don't want to just wake up one morning and say, holy shit, I'm a whole different person now. What the hell happened? <laughs> <laughs> oh, would I you know. look at that? I'm 40 and have kids. Yeah, yeah. I, I want to... I want to actively participate in the change in my life. Yeah, that that's that's something very important, and you know, that's something I wanted to ask you about. Is well, what do you want to do? You're going through college apps, but you're you're going in there for film, and a lot of people would say you you might not even need college for film. And what what are your thoughts and what are your plans on this? Well, to answer the question about like film college and stuff like that, I definitely agree that for a lot of people who want to go into film. Film college is definitely unnecessary, but for me, uh, I still need to figure out how I want to get my message across and do what I want to do. And so uh, that's that's why I intend to go to film school because I, I need to I need to get an idea of how to execute my ideas well. And so uh, that's what I'm going there for. But after that point, um, it's sort of, and I'm going to cross that bridge when I come to it because. I am well aware that uh, that to uh, make it big in the film industry, it gets a lot easier if you live in L.A. Uh, but I don't want to live in L.A. I think L.A. sucks. Uh, hi, Evan. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it, I, I, it's just, uh, I, I, I think that maybe if and when I become a cinematographer and I and I make it in the film industry, I want it to be somewhere more interesting, maybe a little bit less cynical. Um, shit, that makes my next sentence sound completely stupid. Uh, like New York or Europe. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I don't know. Basically, uh, I, I, I want to, I want to be in the film industry. I want to make, I want to make pretty artsy movies. I'm, I'm not interested in, uh, in like typical action movies. Not that there's anything wrong with those movies. It's just, that's not what I want to work on. Um, and yeah. I want to be in a place where I feel like that sort of environment and that sort of attitude is encouraged. And if I'm being entirely honest, I feel like L.A. and Hollywood specifically have become sort of a symbol of cynicism and profiting off of easy entertainment. Mm. So do you care about the degree itself? I guess I guess I sort of care about it, but really I'm not going to college to make it easier to get a job. I'm going to college so that I can learn how to do my job as well as I can. I see. Have Have you ever thought of, instead of pursuing college, like a mentor? I guess, and you know that wouldn't be that wouldn't be too difficult for me to get, considering that uh, that my uncle literally works at Pixar. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But uh, but even so, I feel like I feel like I want something with a little more structure. I guess. Mm. Um, I'd I'd rather have something that I. I, I want multiple sources, pretty much, and I want to be able to get that experience because, you know, if you go to film school, you're going to make a lot of films and stuff like that. You're going to you're gonna have a lot of projects to work on, and you're going to uh, get to know what it's actually like to work on a film set and stuff like that. And, yeah, you can sort of watch that happen if you get a mentor, but it's going to be, it's going to be a little bit harder to get as much practice in, I think. I wanted to ask, what, do you know what your known is? Like uh, what your known path would be, because 
you know, like, like you said, making it in film is going to be a difficult task. And obviously not everyone can do everything. Do you, do you know what you're known is? What you can fall back on? Um, well, I guess before I decided to, uh, to land on film, um, my, my initial major plan was to go into architecture. Uh, and while I don't think that I want to go into architecture if film doesn't work out, um, I think that there's got to be something that I've learned in my, uh, in, in my pretty extensive training and uh, an education on architecture, there's, there's got to be something in there that I could use to uh, to find a nice nice throne pillow uh, to make for my life. Um, but to tell you the truth, I don't really have a known, uh, which mm. which uh, which is I guess I guess isn't the best idea. I've just I just never really thought about it. Uh, mm. What's what happens if all of <laughs> this uh, this falls through? Yeah. Yeah, that that that's something I personally think about quite a bit because you know I'm going I'm going I'm pursuing college I'm gonna go to try and go to through community college and then a four year if possible for electro uh, for electrical engineering you know it's it's not my passion by any means but it's not something I hate it's something I enjoy and you know I'll enjoy it a bit less having to do it as a job but oh well yeah I mean I'd still say that uh, enjoying your job is enough it's. Yeah. As, as long as you're not despising every waking day, every waking minute, I mean, fuck. Yeah. And yeah, so that that's my known is electrical engineering. If if this podcast flops like fish, <laughs> which... with guests like these, never. <laughs> with guests like you, who makes who who who's made his first short film, uh, then uh, yes, I I don't yes. think it'll flop. Oh, cool. <laughs> <laughs> uh. A little bit more about music. Do you, what do you think about people? Have you met someone who doesn't like music? Ah, oh, man. I, I feel like I've heard of people who don't like music, but I don't know if I've ever actually met somebody who actively doesn't like music, I guess. I guess I know a lot of people who aren't really all that into music. I mean, that used to be that used to be me because pretty much all I would ever listen to as a kid was... Uh, uh, was Taylor Swift CDs and Sirius Pop Radio. <laughs> so, I mean, I just didn't really have all that much reason to to pay attention to music because while it's while a lot of the stuff on there isn't necessarily bad, you know, it's it's pretty simple. It's just it's there. Have your fun. Yeah. I I feel like I didn't answer your question. Yeah, it's fine. It was a kind of null question just trying to get back into things. It's probably going to get cut, not going to lie. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> uh do you know what your next five years of life is going to look like or any idea yeah uh you, we've shown that there's not much of a known path but is there a an idea is is college going to be four years and then do you think in that next year you'll try your hand at independent films or trying to apply to larger studios um, yeah, it really depends uh, on on what college I end up going to, um, because uh, different film schools have uh, have different program lengths. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, but you know, somewhere between four and six years of college, I think, and then after that, um, if I haven't landed some successful internships that could that could get me jobs in other places, then uh, then I'll probably. 
just try to be sort of an independent contractor for a little while until I get noticed. Hmm. Do you? What What would you like to do if you 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 had your pick of the lot? Would you be an independent like screenwriter director or like what 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 role would you like to play in the film industry? Would you like to be another cog in the machine, which is nothing to scoff at? You know, mm-hmm. being another animator at Pixar is is, is nothing to scoff at. Yeah, I want to be a cinematographer. Um, I I don't really have any aspirations to write or direct. Uh, I'm I wouldn't really consider myself uh, that much of a leader to to lead an entire project mm-hmm. um, because you know Minos was was kind of a mess. Um, but uh, but I I, I just kind of want to point cameras at things. My main focus is cinematography, uh, and I want to be there to uh, to present uh, what needs to be on screen in a way that I think is stylish and appealing. Um, I don't necessarily need to be, uh, top dog. I just want to, I just want to make things look nice, man. Do you ever, do you want to be like presenting your stuff on the bigger screen or do you want to be like someone more like, um, like Peter McKinnon or other type of, uh, YouTuber people who, who more post their things on YouTube and then work off that? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't really have that much interest in, uh, being an internet personality right now. Um, but I, I'd say that I definitely have some interest in being, uh, you know, that cinematographer, like the one cinematographer that everybody knows, like Roger Deakins, you know, people, people know Roger Deakins, but I don't think that most people could name like any other cinematographers. I, I could only name like one other cinematographer. That's Jaron Blansky. I, I certainly can't. I don't know either of those names. Yeah, I mean Roger Deakins. Uh, he's uh he's pretty big. He uh he he finally won his first Oscar with 1917. And uh, if you ask nicely, I might rant about that movie for the next 45 minutes. But frankly, I don't really want to do that right now. Um, <laughs> we we could do that for the next episode because you are. Uh, not contractually because we don't we don't have a contract, but you are somewhat obligated for a second one. Yeah, I mean to tell you the truth, uh, I I haven't seen it in a little in a little while, but I I definitely don't think that's the movie he should have won an Oscar for. No, how about how about we we do that for a little homework? We're past the one hour mark. All right. Well, what what give us two movies? One would be 1917, which will be the bulk of our talk. But give give us a movie that you think is a good example of what he should have won an Oscar for. Roger Deakins cinematography. Um, well, uh, he's done a lot of work with the Coen Brothers, and those movies are beautifully shot. And uh, he's also worked a lot with Denis Villeneuve, mm-hmm. uh, who's done some great stuff lately. So I think it's going to be between those two. Um. I'm already asking people to watch two movies before the next show, which is a heft a hefty thing. I'd normally only ask for one. Yeah. So so um, I can't put three in there. Yeah, yeah, of course. Of course not. Um how about Blade Runner twenty forty nine? It's it's long, but uh but the cinematography is heavily stylized and it's a big part of what makes that movie so amazing. So uh I'm gonna say prioritize nineteen seventeen just cause it's gonna be more of a randy episode next one yeah sure yeah also i'll say prioritize 1917 but if you can watch both so that you can also hear him praise uh roger deakins 
for Blade Runner 2049, please do watch both. Uh, I'll link to them in the descript in the show notes, along with Minos. Uh, a link if you want to find a link to that and watch it. Go ahead. A- any any other remarks before the next episode, Alec? Uh...